recognize that you're going to have microaggressions regardless if you're in the office or if you are working remotely. I just think that there's a, even a bigger impact when you're working remotely with um, the fact that you will be le potentially left out. Welcome to Corporate for the Culture, where we dismantle the career system to provide the next generation of Black corporate leaders with tools to build the career they deserve. So today, we are joined by J.B. Hill, a former senior vice president and chief diversity officer who has left corporate America to be his own boss. So within his consulting practice now, where he focuses on private equity and healthcare clients, among other industries, he's really trying to create change and new systems to propel us within making more inclusive and diverse workplaces. So welcome, JB. We're excited to have you on this podcast. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm excited to be on here. Well, we're looking forward to this particular conversation. Um, and you've been quoted in a number of articles. That's actually how I found JB and so honored that he would um, bring his perspective to this platform. But really, um, you know, just like you're saying, as people reflect, and I know I did my vision board and reflection of 2021 and start thinking about the new year, um, there's a lot of different types of responses that Black professionals are having towards the concept of returning to the office. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what we'll talk about today is really this reflection point of the at-home workplace environment had actually created a safe haven for many Black professionals. And so that is why you're seeing these data points of, you know, only 3% within a particular Forbes survey want to return back to the office. And for mm -hmm. many Black professionals, we understand why, but white corporate America is saying, I just don't get it. Like, why is this happening? Um, but mm -hmm. before we get into the goodness of this conversation, I wanted to give the, you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Uh, you know, we start this podcast by allowing people to talk about their dimensions of identity in terms mm -hmm. of how they perceive and navigate the world. So yeah, I'll just tell us a little bit more about you. Okay, well, I'm an I'm a African-American male. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just, to, just to start with, you know, and I'm living here in Atlanta, Georgia. I've lived in Atlanta, Georgia for over, over uh, 22 years. Mm. I'm originally from upstate New York, originally from Buffalo, New York. And I am a first generation born New Yorker on my maternal side. So my mother is originally from Birmingham, Alabama. And so on that side of the family, which I think is important to, to understand, and on my father's side, I am the second generation mm -hmm. uh, where, my, where my dad was a, a New Yorker. Uh, however, my mother moved to uh, upstate New York when she was five years old, five or six years old, and moved to Lackawanna. New York and I don't know if you've ever heard of Lackawanna New York it's nope. a movie came out a movie came out a few years ago you should look it up called uh mm -hmm. called Lackawanna Blues uh you know that that's part of became who I am right my mother moving from the segregated south and mm -hmm. you know in the, in the 1940s to to grow up in and western New York which was a very highly integrated community that she lived in 
and she was actually the second black prom queen for her high school. Oh, wow. And, and so I am also, I'm a graduate of two historically black colleges. One, Virginia Union University, which is one of the oldest historically black colleges founded in 1865. And it's got a really unique history about Virginia Union University. And I'm also a graduate of Howard University. Well, we'll have to talk another time about our similar roots of <laughs> family coming from the South to Harlem, New York, to mm-hmm. being me being the only black student with my twin brother. <laughs> so there was mm-hmm. two of us out of 300 and going to school in DC. So I have the both cultures of going to a predominantly white school and um, Howard down the street. So mm-hmm. definitely saw the difference. But bringing it back to why we're here today in this important mm-hmm. conversation, um, you know, at the top of this, I had talked about the stats that you can't ignore the facts. Majority of Black professionals don't want to return back into the office. Mm-hmm. And that's due to microaggressions, straight up ignorance or expectations to be the black voice becomes super exhausting for black professionals as they think about their mental health, their career, um, and what the future looks like. So mm-hmm. I think it's good to always like kind of baseline people and reflect on, you know, why in this last year with moving away from the office to our homes, what about it? creates that safe. So I think we could really have to talk about, there's two things at play here, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about the safety of home, right? So you've got one, COVID, right? COVID, you've got the various surges with COVID, and then you've got the social justice movement that took place in the summer of 2020. So first, you know, when you think about COVID and you think about the safety of being home, right? Because you don't know if your coworker is going to come in and wear a mask or not, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know if your coworker is going to be vaccinated or not, right? Uh, you don't know if your coworker is going to believe in some of these unfortunate misinformation conspiracy theories, right, mm-hmm. that are taking mm-hmm. place now. So that becomes one of the issues, right? And then the second issue is our topic, you know, coming in and having to deal with the microaggressions, right? And so working from home, you feel that you're in that safe, that safe place. But I also think that we also have to be careful about how we see going back into the office, you know, that, yeah, we like working from home. It's a safe place for us. We can get a lot of things done. We don't have to deal with, you know, Tom asking us, you know, something that may be offensive or saying something that's offensive to us. However, at the same time, there's that isolation where we're also, we also can become isolated and miss out on a lot of other opportunities if we're yeah. trying to grow our career. And I think that's, I think that's very important. Yeah, and, and, and that definitely makes sense because there is something that they call like proximity bias or present mm-hmm. bias where it's the, the notion of if black professionals or historically marginalized groups don't go back into the office there is this loss of connection, physical connection, mm. 
where mm -hmm. it's like, oh, Joe is in the office right next door. Like it's so much easier to just walk to the office next door and have this conversation mm -hmm. and this brain brainstorming session. To your point, like there's these trade-offs that need to be measured. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think there's this misconception that we won't experience microaggressions uh, working virtually, because mm. you will still experience the microaggression, right? The microaggression of you're saying something on on Zoom and you notice your coworker um, turns off their camera, right? Uh, the, the, the microaggression of, had, I just had someone share with me that um, some of their coworkers actually got together for a meeting, a social distance meeting, right? And didn't mm. include them at this social distance meeting. And, um, and we laughed about, wow, social distance lunch has become the new uh, country club, right? Mm. Oh, mm. well, we're, you know, we, we're trying to be COVID safe. So we're only gonna invite four people to this meeting and we'll fill you in afterwards, right? Uh, because we don't want to spread, you know, just in case, you know, one of us may potentially have COVID. And they actually shared that, that story uh, with me. And so, so I think we also have to recognize that microaggressions can happen in the office and they can also happen via working remotely. So we have to be cognizant of that. Yeah, so that's really interesting. I didn't even think about, to your point, the fact that microaggressions are really unavoidable. They just have different faces depending on mm -hmm. where you sit. And this whole isolation component is something I think we, ha we haven't talked about yet, right? Mm -hmm. we've, we've talked more about the angle of like, if you're not in the office, you might lose an opportunity. So think about that mm -hmm. and talk about how yeah. mechanisms to stay yeah. connected. Think about pre-COVID, right? There, um, people use isolation as a way to manage you out of a company, right? Okay, well, we want to get rid of JB. So what we're going to do is we're going to isolate him, right? We're going to figure out a way to manage manage him out and by mm -hmm. isolating him, not involving him in certain decisions, not involving him in certain meetings. Well, that way he'll get frustrated and eventually he'll leave, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so now, now you have that being done at a different level, right? Because now, you know, you're not in the office, you're working from home and you're feeling safe because you are working mm -hmm. from home, but then you have to remember that other things are still taking place and still happening. Meetings are still, you know, taking place that you may not get invited to, right? Because it's a Zoom. Oh, we so sorry, we forgot to include him on the uh, on the Zoom invite, right? Mm. So that that's that's truly a, a that's another microaggression that's uh, that's that's taking place, and and I and so I think that we have to recognize that you're going to have microaggressions regardless if you're in the office or if you are working remotely. I just think that there's a, even a bigger impact when you're working remotely with um, the fact that you will be left, potentially left out. And, and so you're, you know, not being seen, not being heard, right? So I think especially if you're, you know, I, I just shared with one of my, uh, one of my nieces, she was like, oh, I love, I love working from home. You know, it is a safe place for me. 
you know, I don't have to deal with the office politics, right? And I said to her, I said, well, you may not physically have to deal with the office politics, but the office politics is still there, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're still, you know, now you're working from home and you're not being seen. You're not being seen, you're not being heard. So you don't, you really don't have a seat at the table now, or, nor do you have a voice at the table, right? Mm -hmm. And that can impact your career moving forward. So you wanna be cognizant of it. And so back to the isolation component, um, you know, and the fact that microaggressions will exist no matter if you're in the office and out of office, it's kind of like you start asking yourself, is there a better of two evils, right? And so, okay, maybe it feels better. We've heard before that you were talking about your coworker turning off the camera, but for black professionals, they could turn off the camera if someone said something stupid, right? Mm -hmm. Or ignorant. Um, but like what, like, what is your advice there when you think about the trade-offs? If you think about, okay, you can either deal with isolation for not being in the office, or you can go in the office and kind of manage the upfront microaggressions. Do you have any frameworks or tools to help people kind of mitigate kind of fears on both ends of that spectrum yeah. when you think about kind of these new age of microaggressions? Yeah, you know, so the, the trade-off, and I think it really it depends on what you want to do with your career and how you want to move forward, right? Um, if you're fine with, you know, not moving up, if you just want to stay within, you know, what you see as being your lane of, okay, I'm going to work from home. I don't want to look, I don't want to be considered for any promotions. I'm just going to collect this check every, every, uh, every other week, every Friday, every other Friday, then staying home could be fine for you. However, if, if you really want to, uh, to move up, if you're really looking to advance your career, um, you may have to find a balance, right? That hybrid balance of, okay, well, maybe one or two days out the week, you know, I'm going to mask up and go in the office or, you know, or one of the things I'm going to, you know, do, um, look at ways to really network with others, right? And do check-ins, right? And that's, hey, I'm gonna send an email to, I'm gonna send an email to John or some of the other senior leaders and just say, hey, I just wanna check in, see how everything's going, just kind of share with you some of the things that I'm doing. I think it's important to, uh, to, to have those check-ins. And if you have an opportunity, informal, um, social distancing lunches that are taking place, I say, go for it, you know, and, and just make sure that you're staying safe when you do it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that all makes sense. And, you know, our audiences some are the ones that want to thrive, right? They don't want to sit on the sidelines and collect those checks, but they want to actually make a difference. They want to get in decision-making roles. And I, to mm -hmm. your point, like politics is not going away. Yeah, and but I, I also think at the same time, I think also if your company has an employee resource group or employee affinity group that you need to get involved, right? Um, get involved with, with that group because once again, that helps with one, really finding some support mechanisms, you know, internally. Um, and even if they're doing meeting via Zoom or if they're meeting via um, you know, doing that social distancing meeting, I say get get involved with your your employee affinity group. If it's a if you have an African American employee affinity groups, I think they're very important, right? And especially in the time the times that we're going through, I think that you need that type of support. 
I think everyone does certain things differently. Like I'm actually not as involved with the RG groups mm-hmm. um, because they tend they tend okay where it's more early career, like where mm-hmm. the volume is, and not like mid managers, right? Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know that's interesting you say that because um, you know one of the things that I did that I started you know, because I, I felt that the affinity group and one of the places I was working was really early career folks getting involved. Uh, but I actually ended up starting a, uh, a group for African-American senior leaders, right? Mm. And it started out very informal, right? Just once a quarter, we were getting together for lunch or dinner, right? And just sharing with each other our experiences. And then that grew into something a little bit more formal, right? So it was just, you know, I ended up having a group for uh, African-Americans, VPs and above, right? Just all of us coming together once a quarter, having an opportunity. And then eventually we invited the CEO to one of our meetings, right? Mm-hmm. To one of mm-hmm. our dinners, right? And just to share with him, you know, some of the, some of our, our concerns, some of the things that we would like to see happen within the organization. We didn't want to make it a gripe session, but we really wanted to have the discussion with him about how we as leaders could work with the CEO and work with the organization and even working, becoming mentors to, uh, to some of the other African-Americans working with us. Yeah, and that's so interesting too, because um, like putting this all together, a couple of things that makes me think about one of the biggest gaps for black professionals, and we think about isolation. When you said, if you come into the office network is meant, and then you talk about bringing the CEO in, is this lack of mentorship and sponsorship, right? That, that keeps us from moving up the ranks. Do you have like, a lesson learned or best practice when you think about, even if you're going to the office and network and make sure you have those mentors and sponsors, like what does that look like to be successful in doing that? Because I think that is a big struggle for black professionals is getting that, again, that mentorship and sponsorship. It's it's important, right? To have the mentorship and sponsorship. If you don't have the mentorship and sponsorship, it's it becomes a struggle really being able to uh, move forward within your career within a certain organization. Um, And so, you know, and one of the things I've always had other discussions as a leader with other African-American leaders to just say to them that, you know, we do have to look at ourselves as being mentors, right? Even we know that our plates are full. We have a lot of things going on. However, there's we stood on somebody's shoulders, right? And mm-hmm. so it's time for us to look at ways of, uh, of giving back and giving back within the organization is, you know, becoming, becoming a mentor, right? Identifying that that high potential, and not only the high potential African-Americans who are trying to move up the ladder, but also those who are very much in a, at an entry level, uh, helping them um, navigate through their career. I mean, if I didn't have mentors to help me navigate my career, I had, I had mentors internally and externally, right? And, you know, and one of the things that I always got involved in, you know, I'm, I'm a member of a, of a fraternity, a member of a Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity. And I always looked at that as an opportunity to connect with those uh, 
those members who had already gone through, you know, their career progression, had, were senior vice presidents or, or COOs or even CEOs, and, and, and really having the opportunity to uh, really um, learn from them. Uh, so for me, it's a little bit different. So if you're not, if you don't have those already, those type of external, you know, networks, it's important to, to identify, you know, sit down. If there's someone that you see that you, that you work with, who's a leader within your organization and you feel that they're, um, they could potentially be a mentor to you, let's say, be bold, right? Go up to them, have that bold, have that bold and courageous conversation and, and share with them what you're, what you're looking to do within your career and, and share with them that how you're looking for a mentor. Only yeah. thing they can say is either they can say yes or they can say no, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. and, if, and if they say no, well, you know, it's time to, to look at trying to identify someone else. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and so I'm going to kind of bring this full circle and think of a chance to think about more tools and tactics when you think about mitigating this fear. And, you know, I don't know if this is like a provocative statement or, but I'm thinking that we kind of need to break the mold of home being a safe place. Like, yes, it is. But when we think about being super realistic about where we are today in this world and what success looks like in terms of who are the decision makers, mm -hmm. we don't, really have a choice if we want to move up. You know, I know you've navigated quite a bit and had multiple of these conversations. So I just want to say any other considerations or tools, tactics that you potentially want to bring up about this kind of isolation, safe, safe work at home kind of mindset? You know, I probably will sound like a, a, a broken record, right? Um, I think, you know, it's, it's one, it's important, you know, when you think about tools and tactics and resources, um, I, if you are a shy person, I think that sometimes you're going to have to get out your shell, right? You're going to have to get out your shell. You're going to have to get out your silo, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important to get involved in those, either those internal groups if you have them in within your organizations or you get involved with the external group, right? Like, you know, I've, I've been impressed with the work of the Urban League Young Professional Organizations, right? And mm -hmm. if there's an Urban League Young Professional Organization within your, within your community, I say join, join it, right? You know, I, I, I think about some of the, I think about some of the things that my mentors used to say to me, right? And my mentors used to have very frank, frank conversations with me, right? I had a mentor who literally would call me every morning at 5.30 a.m. Hmm. And, um, and we, at 5.30 a.m., we would have these conversations because he wanted to have a conversation with me before I went into work, right? Because um, he knew some of the struggles I was going through, yeah. right? <laughs> and... Um, and in those frank conversations, he used to say to me that, um, you know, that you have to be, you know, you have to be courageous. You have to be bold. You know what you know, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but he also used to say, don't be afraid to ask questions, right? Mm. Um, and if you don't know something, we'll find out, right? 
this was this was pre pre internet pre Google. He used to say, go to go to a library, get a book and read it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> go get a you know and find out, find out you know, get the information that you need that's going to help you be successful, right? You already have the education. You know, you just say to me, you already have the education, you have the background, you have the uh, you, you have the charisma, you have the, the personality to do the things that you need to do. And if there's other things that you need, you need to go out and find it and go out and get them. And, and, and that's what I say. That's what I say. Today, you got technology at your hands. So you, you have an opportunity to um, seek out seek out the information that you don't have, right? You have an opportunity to um, get involved in groups and organizations. If they're, you know, if you're, uh, if you're an MBA student or if you're an uh, MBA and you're, you know, join the Black MBA Association, right? Get, in, get involved with them. Identify leadership positions because that's going to help you internally. Because that's going to give you some of the some of the you know the additional skills that you may need, right? Uh, and it's and I'm a big I'm a I'm a big proponent of networking, right? I will start a conversation with anyone, just and I think that that's one of the things that as an African American, you know, growing up, you know, I had friends who always would say, "Oh no, I don't feel comfortable talking to that person. I don't feel comfortable." you know, um, getting involved with this organization. I don't feel comfortable getting involved with that person. I, I, I think that, you know, every role that I've had has been through uh, a networking opportunity. That's a good Literally, yep. literally mm -hmm. every role I've had has been through a networking opportunity. From my first, my first job out of undergrad, was because I volunteered for a uh, for a politician. I volunteered mm -hmm. for the for the deputy speaker for the New York State Assembly, um, Assemblyman Arthur O'Eve. And so when I graduated from Virginia Union, um, you know, he was asking me, "Well, what are you going to do next?" I said, "Well, you know, I really don't know. I'm going to take some time off." He's like, "No, you're not going to take any time off. I got a job for you to start you down this career path." Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, then then after that, you know, I went to go work for the for the U.S. House of Representatives. I worked for uh, Jim Malloy, who was the doorkeeper of the house. Once again, I, I was able to get that role based on the, the networking and and having an opportunity to meet someone who was a very good friend of Jim Malloy's who said, hey, Jim, I know this young African-American male who's getting ready to go to Howard University in Washington, D.C. You need to hire him. And, uh, and come work for your office. So literally every role I've had has been through through some sort of network. They, the way the systems work in terms of even getting hired today, if you think that you can just submit a resume to get your dream job and noting that people forget mm -hmm. there's a barrier between you and a recruiter. There's a mm -hmm. computer that looks for mm -hmm. keywords and will opt you out very quickly. Mm -hmm. Like you're wrong. Like you know, my fiance always says it's about making the next opportunity better than the last. And just like you said, it's a, the networking is also in combination with what you said earlier, mm -hmm. is that mentor and sponsorship, because mm -hmm. the sponsor is the one who says, Hey, I have this young black male who's about to go to Howard university. You need to hire them. That is mm -hmm. the role of a sponsor. I think we can leave it there. <laughs> I think there's <laughs> so much great advice. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, JV, thank you for your time, your voice and the space. We greatly appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners will get a lot from this episode. So thank you. I hope so. Thank you.